Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the Tox and Tastings Studios, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. This is Bullhagen. This is Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. So this is your first, uh, we normally call a one and a half pastors. Okay. Because it's me and and you and Berg's not here, right? I don't th- I don't think we've done that yet, have we? Uh, we did with the bishop. Okay, yeah. Well, well he's a pastor. Well, too, I guess though. technically that's still two and a half, but yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so so um, I kind of was thinking that we kind of sprung this on you, right? Yeah, a little bit. Right. So I wanted to give you a little vote of confidence. Okay. Okay. Uh, right into it, huh? Right into it. I just, you know me, I'm impatient. So, do you need anything to, do you know how to do it? Of course you do. So this one? Right, sorry. Yes. So I, I thought I would give you a uh, vote of confidence for the podcast. And I've got this little grovelly voice mm-hmm. uh, because of my cold. Because I knew we are going to be lacking energy, right? right. Yeah, I knew it was just going to be you and me. But it's New Year's Day morning. I got that this we're cold. We're all tired. So I wanted to do something in prep for the show, but I didn't really want to do a lot of thinking. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I wanted to make use of my voice, which is very grovelly. Right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give you a little confidence in that this is where you're supposed to be here on the show. Okay. <laughs> all right? Now, anyway, to the listener in Iowa, now... Old people, Vicar, watch TV, mm-hmm. especially football games. And there's a lot of, in Iowa right now, political ads. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. Because uh, the Republicans are kind of just beating up on each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And I kind of kind of use it as an opportunity to, to give you a vote of confidence that here on the podcast, this is where you're supposed to be. Okay. All right? Following. So I'm I'm gonna sell America that you're supposed to be here on the podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Pete. When someone runs for president, you want to know. Hey, who is this guy? Hey, Vicar Twenty Point Oh. How would you respond to the border crisis? Whoa, missiles, bombs, and C four. Hey, 20.0, what's your favorite kind of coffee? It's a Frappuccino. Can we really trust this man to be our next president? That's a good question. Look what he's already done to Social Security. Sorry. Look what he's done to the military. Sorry. Look what he's done to education. Sorry. When asked about his opponents, he said this. Oh, I, sorry. I was just saying that uh, it, he they since they're a, a Gnostic like offshoot, they probably took it as being symbolic of something or another. Huh? When asked about how his fellow citizens thought, he said, "Who knows what they thought of it?" Can you really vote for this guy? You can, but I'd prefer you use the bathroom. Listen to what he wants to control. 
your life in a profound way, not just in a uh, a couple days a week kind of thing. Hey, 20.0, how would you handle traffic violations? By death. By death. By death. Does he even know when you're supposed to vote? Friday predicts November and Saturday until December. But which which Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Or which Wednesday, Friday, Saturday? Instead of inspiring our nation, he put emotions and feelings um, in a vacuum. While our country is in a malaise, this is his idea. Well, you can't feel better if you don't know what's causing you to not feel good. His solution to the national debt. Sometimes you just have to double up on that diuretic, though. How did he respond to a nation gone mad? By numbing himself. By running away from it. Making promises he can't keep. You'll be flying around like you do in Minecraft. Vicar 20.0. Right for the Clerical Heirs podcast. Wrong for America. Okay, I guess we'll just have to go with it then. I'm Peter, producer of the Clerical Heirs podcast, and I approve this message. Yeah, so that's what I did this morning in prep today. You did that all this morning? Yeah. That's awesome. No wonder you wanted to push it off a half an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't haven't done something like that lately, and I enjoy doing that. So That's funny. Did you clip all that from the same episode? That's all from one episode, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. I, I, I found, and some of it wasn't actually in an episode. It's stuff that Peter probably took out. But I had, I got the raw audio from just your microphone. Right, right. And I yeah, put it together. That's pretty funny. I like that. <laughs> I can't believe what you did to education in the military, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fred Petrino, can we trust this guy? <laughs> <laughs> How can we trust our presidency with a beta drinker? <laughs> so do I have a future in making political ads? I mean, that's all they do. Take things out of context. Exactly. I, th- I mean, at least it was entertaining, you know. It's phenomenally, phenomenally better than uh, any other like political ad you watch. I, I I took like a minute and a half to pick the music. Is that okay? Music like the distrusting kind of. Yeah, yeah. It had sort of like a questioning air behind it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I actually couldn't hear the music through Discord, but I'm sure it was great. <laughs> it was a nice touch. <laughs> I had that realization the other day where you know the when you listen to a political ad the it's always a deep voice like you like you did and the music is always not good music it's the most anxiety ridded riddled mm-hmm. music you can you can come across <laughs> right. uh it's like it's, it's less music and more noise <laughs> every every one of them now that i've told you this you're going to listen to the next one and be like man that is just terrible right right so if you uh want the the clerical heirs to make your a political ad for you, Vicar, <laughs> where can they get a hold of us? They can email us at clerical heirs, uh, oh, podcast at clerical org. I think. Feedback? <laughs> ah, feedback. I always get those backwards. Okay. <laughs> they can email us at feedback at clerical org. They can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clerical heirs. And they can X at us at, at, a, at me, bro. At clerical heirs P. P for podcast, bro. 
All right. We need to get you a key card or a cue card or something so you remember. There was a cue card, and then uh, when we replaced the carpet, it got lost, and I've just forgotten to <laughs> replace it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Vicar, uh, what am I preaching on? I, I guess we haven't talked about the preaching schedule yet. So, you are preaching on the baptism of our Lord. It's from Mark chapter 1. It reads thus. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water. But he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. All right. So, Vicar, what do you think now, to be fair? This is the Monday and I haven't written my sermon yet. Right. So, it's Monday morning. And last night was New Year's Eve as we record this, and it's the morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. That's why I've got my voice. That's why he's got the Casey Kasem voice going on. There you go. <laughs> At number 20. <laughs> this tune. Um, <laughs> so, the baptism of our Lord, obviously talking about baptism. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it is then... Uh, a part of kind of the kicking off one of the big things with Epiphany season. Mm-hmm. You can talk about Christ our Lord being uh, manifested, you know, his glory being made known to the people, mm-hmm. which you have in the heavens opening and the voice of the Father. Uh, you know, one of the first things you learn as a child about this is the presence of the Trinity, mm-hmm. right? Father. The voice, the sun in the water, and um, and the the Holy Spirit. One way uh, that this is often talked about is the fact that well, Jesus didn't need to be baptized, right? But he was baptized for us. There's often a debate about this text whether this is in a way Jesus instituting baptism. Now he doesn't say go and be baptized there, mm-hmm. so you. From that point, you can't really say you have to go to other places, you know, mm-hmm. where like Matthew 28, for example, where you go and make disciples baptizing them mm-hmm. with that command. But at the same time, you could say, in a sense, he was sanctifying the waters of baptism. Right, exactly. That the, the way, the example I've used in this before, and maybe on the podcast, is that I liken it to the old, uh, the old farmer children, when uh, Saturday night was bath night. Oh yeah, and uh, and they had the you know they had eight kids, and they all shared the same bath right. water. Yeah, right. Where in a sense they felt kind of felt like the the last one got more dirty, you know, where he kind of entered the baptism of our sins that washes us, that drowns our old Adam, and uh, he, the pure one, enters and in a sense, takes that for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, another way to look at, at this is, uh, I often would look at this as behind the curtain look at baptism, in a sense where, where Christ 
gives us a vision of what really is happening at our baptism, a visual representation of our baptism. The Holy Spirit coming, anointing us, the Father claiming us as a child, the the Lord Jesus joining us in the water, and then also, as John made it part of repentance, how in repentance we continue to go into the water and continue to have the old Adam in us drown. So in a way, you have kind of a, a look behind of what actually happens uh, when when we are baptized, when an infant is baptized. You may not have the, the, you know, you may not hear the voice, you may not see the dove, but you have the promise of Christ where that he is there by by his word. And, and so it gives you a visual representation of what happens when we're baptized. And any, any comments on this, Vicar? Remember, it's just you and me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good direction to go with it. Um, something, what I was really thinking about is uh, this discussion that you and I had, uh, I think it was last week, about um, these following services, especially like Christmas Day and following up until Epiphany. These readings are to sort of explain what Christmas is about. And in the same way with baptism, it's to explain what baptism is in the context of Christ's coming, Mm -hmm. um, that he has come for the forgiveness of our sins. And in that way, he cleanses the water, which washes away our sins. We are joined to him in that. We are claimed as God's own child. The Holy Spirit comes to us. It's a very clear catechetical sort of text, especially with John the Baptist pointing us toward Jesus, that he he is the one to whom uh, John the Baptist was appointed to point us toward. Right. Yeah. Right. And and so there's lots of things, you know. You even if you think about it, it's uh, um, kind of as we move on from then the birth and then the, the the our Lord Jesus Christ. Then you hop into where this all begin because you also then have uh, you could talk about the the office of the ministry. Mm-hmm in the sense of when does Jesus begin preaching? Even Jesus didn't begin his ministry until he was anointed. And he didn't begin his work until the Father anointed him with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. said, this is my beloved son. Um, you also have ties uh, in many ways to the sacrifice of, of Isaac. Yeah, exactly. Where, where God tells Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son, whom you love. Uh, kind of foreshadowing the fact that Abraham learned that he did not have to offer a sacrifice for his sin, but God would provide the lamb of sacrifice. And uh, I mentioned in my sermon on Sunday that God doesn't really ask us to do anything that he hasn't done many times over in a more powerful way. So when God asks us to love our neighbor, it begins with a love that, that overpowers our own. And when God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son and stops him, he teaches that, well, I'm going to actually going to go above and beyond by offering my own son. And so you have that tie then to Jesus' baptism with his death, Jesus' baptism with John, Jesus' baptism with John's own words, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so you have that. And you also have uh, a tie here with uh, after Jesus is baptized, he's immediately driven out into the wilderness to be tempted. And a reminder that there too, even as Jesus was baptized and begins his ministry, 
he became a marked man. And as baptized children, we too are a marked people. Uh, and, and so there, there too is an important lesson. So I haven't written my sermon yet, but I have a feeling it's, it's going to be one of those where I have about seven sermons running around in my head and I got to pick one of them. So, but obviously a, a beautiful time to talk about baptism, which Vickers love to talk about. <laughs> That's right. That's the shtick, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> have you noticed that over the years, Peter? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. 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 All right. So I, because it's just you and me, I thought, uh, and could have done more show prep, but it, all my time took in the two minute political ad. I think it was worth it though. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, it's so worth it. That was a pretty impressive <laughs> edit. Yeah. Wrong for America. Right for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I like how you threw in my, uh, my little Joe Biden moment. I was hoping you were going to cut it off and not let him finish talking. It was just going to be his like, ah, uh, that's what I thought too. Would, uh, and then like move on to the next one. Maybe we should make a video behind it too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> of like, like bad pictures of Vicar, like in black and white. Not even real pictures, just AI pictures of it. Right. Yeah. Just Photoshopped into weird historical photos. <laughs> So what I thought we could do then, since we are talking about the baptism, and uh, it's, you know, it's you and me today, mm-hmm. I thought that uh, I, we could start a new segment called Riff on This Vicar. What do you think? So what I have here is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is uh, the uh, baptism of our Lord hymn, mm-hmm. and read a verse and talk about it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Should I, would it help if I did this in a top seven list? I can. <laughs> That's unnecessary. Okay. Like, it's like liturgics two all over again. <laughs> I don't want to have to put the numbers in. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, you know what I just realized? What? I missed an opportunity. Because I have, how much audio do I have of you saying number one, <laughs> number two? <laughs> you anyway. got enough. <laughs> <laughs> just realized I can make an AI of Vicar now. I haven't done that yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I will begin with the first verse. Verse one. How's that for a transition? To Jordan came the Christ, our Lord, to do his father's pleasure. Baptized by John, the father's word was given us to treasure. This heavenly washing now shall be a cleansing from transgression and by his blood and agony release from death's oppression. A new life now awaits us. Yeah, so start off there a little bit with the uh, the uh, uh, the inner Trinitarian economy that the the son oh, wow. does the Look will of the father. Yeah, there's your there's your 50 cent word for the day. Um, how the son, you know, does the will of the father. So he goes to, to be baptized by John. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. The father's word was given us to treasure. Yes, because the, the word he speaks to us is the word of... Uh, and it's uh, not simply water only, is it? No. No, it's it's water and the word, of course. And that's where, where the effectual, um, the efficacious nature comes comes in is with the water combined with the word. Let's see. And Jesus... Also, as you preach on Christmas, is the word, 
The word made flesh, yeah. Yeah, the word made flesh, which connects himself to the water. He cleanses the water through his own uh, death and resurrection, uh, as they say here, by his blood and agony, released from death's oppression, right? Mm -hmm. It connects baptism to the death and resurrection of our Lord. And that death, which we were baptized into, then connects us to the death, which uh, Christ had. And so since we are buried with him in a death like his, we will be raised with him in a life like his. Yeah. So, so just as we were baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection, so was Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and he also mentions, you see that also in this hymn where it talks about to do his father's pleasure, that this was the will of mm-hmm. his father. And we, we see all over how even Jesus understanding not my will but your will right yeah it's that's a huge theme in john where he does he does the will of the father mm-hmm. right all right verse two. Oh, hear and mark the message well for god himself has spoken let faith not doubt among us dwell and so receive this token our lord here with his word endows pure water freely flowing holy spirit here avows our kinship while bestowing the baptism of his blessing. Now, do you, uh, do you want me to start first or do you want to go? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll start. Uh, this seems to be sort of a, an explanation of what's happening in the first first verse. The first verse is very, this is what's what it is. And now we've get sort of a, what does it mean? You know, it starts off, oh, hear and mark the message well. So listen to what's happening. See what's actually going on that God himself has spoken and of course, what has he spoken? That this is my beloved son mm-hmm. as well. Christ being the word of God, he's the one who speaks on his behalf. So mm-hmm. you've got that sort of thing playing together. Um, it's uh, then uh, telling us to to have faith, not doubt that the word made flesh dwells among us, that he has come for our, mm-hmm. uh, for our sins, to die for our sins. And you also have here too, I think, um, not only a statement of who Jesus is, but also a statement of what baptism is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you have a debate about baptism with with those uh, more with an in line with a different understanding of baptism. They'll say things like, "Well, how does the the baby know?" It all seems so mundane. There's it doesn't have the emotional reaction that people would expect. And uh, um, what what uh, Luther teaches us is. Well, you got to trust what he says about it and about Christ. Mm-hmm. He doesn't ask you to kind of work out all the details. It, it's, well, just trust what he says about this. Trust what he says about the Son. And that's one of the hallmarks of the Lutheran faith, where, where our, our trust is in what God says about these things, these things, not in how we can kind of play it out in our minds or kind of figure out the logistics behind it or wonder how could it be it is because god says it is he is a christ because the son of god because jesus because his father says he is and uh, this pure water as he says by the power of the holy spirit our kinship with him so so luther as he does many times he always has in mind the opponents of what he's saying mm-hmm. right and he always has in the back of his ear those who would oppose Jesus' baptism would mean anything for us, or those who would disavow what baptism actually is. 
and what baptism actually does. I don't know when Luther wrote this, but I'm sure... Does it say in the bottom? Uh, it just has... Uh, no, it just has his when he lived. Okay. But, you know, there are a lot of uh, Anabaptists mm-hmm. running around who would argue... Yeah, they were arguing Luther. against. Yeah. And so Luther's response is, well, don't don't take my word for it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even the the Roman Catholic view at the time was very uh, introspective to, it, to an extent. That right. It's all about whether or not you've made the satisfaction. But the gospel is that Christ has made that satisfaction up for us so we don't have to look towards ourselves to make sure that we've done everything or right. have that sort of feeling or emotional reaction. Right. And and uh, you see here in this hymn, you see all the action here is God's action. Mm-hmm. All the action in baptism is what God does, as opposed to the opponents who who view baptism as something that we do, our sign. Right, yeah, um, as like a an obedient thing that we do to please God. Right, yeah. or this is my way of accepting Jesus by going into the waters of baptism. Right, or your your quote-unquote public right. confession of Jesus right. as your, yeah. And if you think about how how uh, how kind of off-putting that actually is when you think of my baptism being a way that I'm accepting Jesus. It's very narcissistic. Yeah, and it's like, okay, okay, Jesus, now I have finally, it's like... Uh, the bachelor where he, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, there's all these gods and, but I've decided I'm giving you the rose, you know? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Here's the key to my heart kind of thing. (laughs) Right. Like who died and made you God. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, which is why when you, when you think of, of it's always important to make the distinction vicar between why people go to a particular church. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think it's because they agree with what I say when it's really, you don't go to a church like I did a political ad where they say what I agree with, where this church teaches what I agree with, because you want a place that gives you the truth of God's word, and that will tell you things that you may not agree with. Or want to hear. Or want to hear. Yeah. It's not about your agreement. You're accepting these teachings. It's uh, hearing God's word, and in a sense, you're forced to accept what God's word has to say, Right. not you giving your seal of approval on it, where all of a sudden you are the arbiter of truth and you join a church because they have the truth that you agree with. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're just making a God in your own image. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There is an arbitrary truth. There is no no such thing as subjective truth. Right. And and the entire Christian life really is being reformed to that church. Not that you agree with it, but you learn to understand what is right. When everything, if you think about it, isn't that the heart of temptation? Everything in life telling you mm-hmm. uh, that that God's word isn't true, that his truths aren't true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the command to love God and others, everything in your life tells you to do differently. Your own flesh tells you to do differently, and your entire life is being conformed to a will and a word that goes against our very sinful nature. And it's a constant reforming. So so if you take it to mean, even in baptism, you know, people might have struggles with baptism, what it means. How is it that my this means anything to my, my infant? Someone could just say, it just looks like you gave the baby some water on her head. How can that mean 
anything, our own eyes betray us, and we receive it by faith. And, you know, when, when the opponents of baptism kind of raise their head, and there, are, there is some logical things that they say, mm-hmm. and there are things that are very appealing and to some, because we all as Lutherans, we all deal with, with certain things where we're like, we do feel at times emotionally attached, or we do feel, I think, sometimes where, where uh, we don't, some of the, the more uh, grabbing hold and, and being true and the way we see it amongst our more, our Baptist friends, that appeals to a lot of people because it appeals to certain things that we wish would happen. But it's about the truth. And that's what informs you. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus, what Luther does here is he appeals to not the emotion of it, not to what you see, not according to what you think a baby understands about it. He, appoint, he points us always to what the truth is based in God's word, knowing our eyes betray us, our ears betray us, our own flesh betrays us. And he tells us, in that, that second verse, and it'll move on to the third verse to, to hold to the truth of what's going on, the truth of what the Father says, mm-hmm. the truth of how Jesus sanctifies the waters of baptism. So verse three, these truths on Jordan's banks were shown by mighty word and wonder. The Father's voice from heaven came down, which we do well to ponder. This man is my beloved son in whom my heart has pleasure. Him you must hear, and him alone, and trust in fullest measure the word that he has spoken. So, the, so here you have in this passage. Oh, I should let you go. That's where this is riff on that vicar. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. He's he's kind of doubling down on the whole truths that are that are happening here, right? That um, Jesus is the son of the father who has come mm-hmm. he is the he is the christ who has come that was uh, foretold uh, and he uh, doubles down on this even further by talking about the father's voice coming from heaven uh, where he said this is my beloved son in whom my heart is, has pleasure here here i think luther kind of ties his baptism to transfiguration where where in a sense transfiguration is much like the baptism of Jesus yeah, yeah. where where you have the voice from heaven booming this is my beloved son mm-hmm. but there the transfiguration what does he add listen to him listen to him and and what is the context of this this is Jesus predicting his death peter denying him mm-hmm. uh and and showing that that uh what's going on even though just like i said with about baptism earlier What's going on, even though you can't see it? And how what Jesus was doing is based on the truth of God's word in the transfiguration as represented with Moses and Elijah there to say that this is a fulfillment of scripture. And so you have in this the voice of the father saying, listen to him, and then also anointing him to be the preacher of his word and a prophet the, the greatest prophet that we could ever have of God's own son who speaks before his people as a, one of our brothers, uh, and we should listen to him. And, uh, and why? Because his word is truth. Why? Does it going to often go against our nature, our sinful nature, our flesh? Yes. But nonetheless, the voice of the Father says, listen to him. 
And so he kind of ties baptism with the transfiguration, which then ties to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah, and that's part of the truths that are shown on these banks, right? That Christ himself is truth, um, uh, and his him, himself and his mission were revealed in, right. in his baptism. Yeah, Right, and the only one who, who really knows it at this point is, at least here, is John the Baptist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but yet the, the father uh, who shares the same essence as his son then uh, tells us to listen to him, so... All right, number four, there stood the Son of God in love, his grace to us extending, the Holy Spirit like a dove upon the scene descending, the triune God assuring us with promises compelling that in our baptism his will thus among us find a dwelling to comfort and sustain us. So, sorry, I have to read this again. Okay, I'll talk while you read it. Okay. Focus, Vicar. I'm trying so hard to focus. <laughs> <laughs> Do you worry that everything you say now is going to be used against you? <laughs> everything you say will be taken out of context. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, no, so I, I, the first thing I want to say is, I think when you see the dove ascend descending on him, it's not, it's also, I think authority. And let me explain. Mm -hmm. So for example, I see a tie here with Pentecost where as tongues of fire uh, rest on the apostles, uh, that is a fire authority that they speak God's word. And that authority you see as the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 2, came upon them and they spoke. So you have the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus to say, he speaks as a true prophet. So you, you have that aspect of authority by the power of the Holy Spirit as well, um, mm-hmm. which you would see at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have maybe not the dove, but the tongues of fire, well, which the, also the reflects Holy Spirit, the yeah. Holy Spirit, the presence of God, whether it's the presence of God in a burning bush or the presence of God in the smoke of his presence, the presence of God on Mount Sinai, mm-hmm. the presence of God uh, in the, the pillar of fire by night. It's the presence of God, authority, word that came upon his disciples, apostles at Pentecost, and then upon our Lord Jesus Christ, who has the, the Holy Spirit and who then commands the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so you have this anointing, by the Holy Spirit of Jesus, and then you have then, think of what that means then at Pentecost when the same Spirit comes upon the apostles, that this Holy Spirit then anoints them, and when do they begin preaching? When the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Yeah. And you see this in John chapter 20. Mm -hmm. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Well, when did Jesus get the Holy Spirit? Well, we know he has it (laughs) when he was baptized. Mm -hmm. And and says, uh, tells them to forgive in his name. If you forgive anyone their sins, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld. And and so you have that spirit then too coming with the authority to forgive sins, authority given by the Holy Spirit, authority that the Father showed that Jesus has, and uh, which also I believe speaks of of the ministry of ordination. 
yeah, I would, the work of the church. Yeah, I would agree with that. He gives the, when he gave the Holy Spirit, it was only the 12 there. So he was giving it to those who were given the keys to the, the, the kingdom, the, mm-hmm. yeah, the apostles, right? And so the Holy Spirit was given to the church to forgive sins. And so the ministers of the church, mm-hmm. the pastors are the ones who in Christ's authority can forgive sins. Right. And right. we have we have passages that bears that out too, that this also refers to the church. Mm-hmm. So for example, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. Mm-hmm. In that context of Matthew 18, he is actually talking about spring, uses a springboard church discipline. If brother sins against you, you know, go and go and talk to him and then bring one or two others and then bring it to the whole church. In that context, if he refuses to listen, treat it as you do a sinner or a tax collector. And in that context, he says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them, showing that this authority that Jesus has to forgive sins is for the church and the gathering of his people. Mm -hmm. Good job on riffing on that. Yeah, thanks. You want to read the next one? Sure. That way you can think about it while you read it. Sure. <laughs> Number five. Number to, five. To his disciples spoke the Lord, go out to every nation and bring them and bring to them the living word and this my invitation. Let everyone abandon sin and come in true contrition to be baptized and thereby win full pardon and remission and heavenly bliss inherit. So you basically just have the the command from Matthew 28 to go right. to all nations baptizing and that you should come to the Lord in repentance with true contrition, right? Bearing, mm-hmm. Bringing your sins to God, the son who has forgiven you of your sins to be baptized. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's right. a really a uniting thing here, right? That's yeah. what he's doing. He's saying really the command that he gives through through the disciples Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, to baptize, in a sense, inviting them to join Jesus in that water. Yeah. Riff on that, Vicar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, he says, go out to every nation, bring them, bring to them the living word. And this, my invitation, this is his invitation, that everyone abandon their sin and come in true contrition. So uh, the claim that Christ is making upon people is a life-changing one, that to give up the old life, so that way mm-hmm. you can put on the new, right? And where do you put on the new life but in your baptism to be baptized and thereby win full pardon and remission and heavenly bliss inherit. Right. Well, that, that this is where the, the the Baptists become confused. Because Exactly, yeah. Because uh well, you have to repent. They they love the repentance and they say, well, guess what? A baby can't they can't repent. repent. A baby can't have faith. But when you realize that this is done by God's grace and mercy and calling his work mm-hmm. and not your own, and that baptism is not a work, it is a gift that God gives, that he, he commands the disciples to go and do this on his behalf, behalf for people. Mm-hmm. He He's sending them out with his authority to baptize, with his Holy Spirit to baptize. When he sends them out to baptize, he begins it with the preface, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples and baptize. It is my authority, my work, my word that's doing it, not your decision. And that, that's the difference. And it does, and that also is why baptism is, this is another thing, is when we say it's something that God does and also it is something that continues to flow. They have trouble viewing baptism 
in that way that mm -hmm. in a sense an infant child is baptized and then brought up in a life of repentance is is not how they really view it you have to repent and turn and then you know show your acceptance of god by being baptized mm -hmm. that's kind of the big difference there all right all right next verse but woe to those who cast aside this grace so freely given they shall in sin and shame abide and to despair be driven for born in sin their works must fail their striving saves them never their pious acts do no do not avail and they are lost forever eternal death their portion all right riff on that vicar i ran into your problem so basically what he's talking about here is that those who have rejected Christ and his promises uh, in this context, baptism, they have basically condemned themselves that outside of Christ, that there can be no true good works, right? As our confessions right. rightly say, mm -hmm. and that, so their, their pious acts get them nowhere. They win them no favor in the sight of the Lord because they are but dirty rags. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they don't inherit eternal life, but instead eternal death. And this, this answers the question, too. Uh, can you be saved without being baptized? How, how does this answer that? No. Okay. Big, I, I, a distinction I make is, now, let's say, for example, a, someone is, you know, going through an adult, mm. right? And when it's an adult, what do you do? You teach them mm -hmm. uh, in preparation for baptism. Right. Right? So... If someone has something happens to them in that process, you wouldn't say that they're condemned because they haven't been baptized. No. No. Why? Because they've already shown that they have faith. I mean, they already have faith right. in the Lord, right? Right. It's yeah, yeah. You would say, Well, not that they even shown that they have faith because Well, it, sure. Yeah. It would, yeah. Yeah. It would be that they have faith. They're mm -hmm. hearing God's word. Now, that's a little different than someone who would openly reject baptism in a sense of saying i do not want to join jesus in that water mm -hmm. that, that's not something faith does faith that wouldn't reject baptism is you are saved by faith and faith desires to be baptized exactly and so if you're casting aside you know the example that i gave earlier that's not someone casting it aside that's someone who desires to be baptized mm -hmm. and had the full intent to do it which right, is, which is well, you're not than, saved by the intent, but you're saved by certainly faith in that situation yeah. is alive mm -hmm. and well because of the word of God. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we teach before baptism in that setting is because that you want them to understand the faith by which they're being baptized into. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, early church really, because they saw how how important baptism is. I don't know. If, I'm just gonna make a disclaimer, I don't know if you want to cut this out afterward or not, because it might be a little tangential, but the early church seeing how uh, important baptism is, but also dealing with the the martyr problem, right? People being killed for their faith. Adult converts would actually go through a three-year um, catechesis before they were baptized. And so when they're confronted with the problem, well, what if somebody in catechesis were killed? They responded with, we consider them baptized in their own blood. Th mm. they, they recognize that death for their confession or even in this process they were still saved right yeah right and so um which is how i think another question that the evangelical evangelicals will say what well 
you don't have to be baptized. They always looked for the exception. Right, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of a weird libertarian view of Christianity where you don't have to do certain things. You can right. do them if you want to. But that's... They, they look, in a way, they look at infant baptism. <laughs> this is a, I don't know if this works, but you can tell me if it works. Okay. Uh, it it kind of, they look at, try to, to whittle away at baptism the way that uh, uh, in abortion they whittle away at, at uh, not having an abortion by saying, well, we, as we say, how you the importance of baptism and they can you be it means you have to be baptized to be saved just like when it comes to abortion i think of all the exclusions like all the oh yeah yeah you know what if the mother's life is in danger what if it's in this situation whatever this situation always looking for an excuse to make the by which you make the rule right yeah you make the rule based on what should be not what is right right and then that's how they kind of then view infant baptism let's try to poke holes in it yeah yeah what about this or what about what about that what if someone doesn't get baptized in the situation i mentioned before well they haven't baptized you know because they view it in a sense not as a a changing uh not as a word given a promise but as a an act Mm-hmm. A magical act. That's how they think we think it is. It's just poof magic. It's not magic. It's it's God's word being applied to the situation. Right, yeah. Sort of a divorcing of God's word, like the reality of God's word with the efficaciousness of God's word itself. Like he can say something and it be true, but you can't do something which God's word says and it be mm-hmm. true. Yeah. All right. Um. Next verse. All right. All that the mortal eye beholds is water as we pour it. Before the eye of faith unfolds the power of Jesus' merit. For here it sees the crimson flood to all our ills bring healing. The wonders of his precious blood, the love of God revealing, assuring his own pardon. So basically, what this is, is answering what we've been talking about the whole time, which is the problem of what we see versus what we know about baptism. Right. That it looks just like, you know, a washing, a cleansing of the mm-hmm. of the body, right? That you're washing away dirt or something, but that's not what it is. It's an actual, it's it's the washing of, a washing away of your sins, right? Right, and that, uh, that answers this question, too, of those who would say, uh, well, you certainly are baptized, but then the real baptism happens when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah. Right? As, where, as if to say, it's not a real baptism until you have some sort of supernatural experience where the Holy Spirit you know, kind of just does this thing and all of a sudden you're overwhelmed and all those things. Mm-hmm. As if to say, that's the real baptism. It's the, the, the experience that you have, the, what you can see and hear and touch and feel. And he's saying, Luther say, no, 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 it's, what you see is nothing out of the ordinary. What you feel is nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. It's the promise of God. It's it's like my the example I teach in confirmation is my wedding ring, right? Mm-hmm. I think I spent $23 on this because I was working at the grocery store. It was poor, right? You've yeah. been there, yep. right? I know what you mean, yep. Yep. And uh, what is so special about the wedding ring? Is it the fact that, by the way, I asked my confirmation because about this yeah and i asked them how much do you think i spent on this 
their answers range from one to five thousand dollars. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Inflation. Yeah. I mean I might get one of those silicone ones and make some money. That's right. <laughs> Man, I spent hundred and fifty on mine and I felt bad for spending that much. <laughs> <laughs> but but the point is, well, what makes it valuable is, is the promise attached to it. Yes. Right? What makes baptism so special? It's the promise attached to it, a promise that God makes. Right. You could say that it's the physical sign that of the promise that it carries. Right. Yeah. Right. And so it looks like an ordinary ring. You know, it looks like a, I guess, to me, it looks like a $23 ring. <laughs> right. But it's precious because it's the promise. Mm-hmm. And it may not. And I, I remember thinking of this when it came to the Lord's Supper. I remember when I was getting ready to, to take it, I was like, what is this going to, like the anticipation? Do you remember that? Do you have anticipation? You're probably more logical than back then, I yeah. suppose, than I was. But I was like, hmm, what is this going to be like, right? <laughs> and will I feel inspired and all this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think everybody has a little bit of that at least, at right. least a little bit, unless you're right. Yeah, right. But it's it's you know the promise attached. It's what mm-hmm. God says in it. So right, just like uh, just like circumcision, which this is the answer mm-hmm. to circumcision. It's the the sign of the covenant, which shows that you're an inheritor of the promise. Right. Right. And Luther here answers the very issue of. Well, the, the baby doesn't know or see. It's so ordinary. How can this be powerful? You know, you're just jumping through the hoops or something like that. Well, it's it's faith mm-hmm. that trusts in the promise of God. Right. And by which you see it. Right. And, you know, Sunday by Sunday, you could have more or less faith or you could pay more or less attention to whatever's going on in the service, the service. But it's. It's not about how you feel towards something. It's about what it actually is and what it says about you, which is the message of the gospel, that it's done for you, right. not that you feel a certain way. You're not going to use the word em- emotional vacuum. Or... <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. I'll try not to suck all the emotions out of it. <laughs> all right. So, well, next time we will have Berg with us. Good job, Vicar. Thank you. You did a fine job of a half a pastor. And uh, we look forward to having Berg back with us next time. This is a Clerical Heirs podcast. I'm Bullhagen. I'm Vicar. And may your Vicar be taken out of context. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast. On Twitter at Clerical Heirs P for podcast or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.